Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's Jimmy Stein. I'm Clint Lamb, and this is the BAM Online YouTube channel. Jimmy, we just wrapped up with the Alabama offense versus Georgia defense. Now it's time to talk about Alabama's defense versus Georgia's offense because even though I think there's not enough people talking about the other side of the football, uh, Alabama's defense is one of the best in the country. Uh, Georgia's offense is one of the best in the country. And there's a lot of really interesting matchups to look at in this game and in a lot of fascinating ways that, you know, how, how is Alabama going to go about trying to slow down Brock Bowers? You know, can Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards continue to be a very strong one-two punch at running back? Kendall Milton's been playing some really good football as of late. I think close to 350 yards and five touchdowns in his last three games, which was against Ole Miss, Tennessee, and, and Georgia Tech. So not great opponents defensively, but certainly, you know, power five. Um, so he's playing really good football. They got weapons all over the place. Their offensive line's good. You get great play out of the quarterback position with Carson Beck. But Alabama's got some things defensively that can counter a lot of that and it can really present some challenges. So I really wanted to dive into this discussion. First of all, uh, we'll talk about the guys who are missing for Georgia against Georgia Tech because Brock Bowers was out, Lad McConkey, Tate Ratledge, their starting right guard, Rara Thomas, who has been kind of a vertical threat for them, you know, Mississippi State transfer, pretty darn good player. So all those guys were held out against Georgia Tech, and a lot of people feel like it was sitting in preparation for Alabama, giving them some rest, making sure they were closer to 100%. Whether it was or wasn't, that's what they got. So we don't know exactly who's going to be back and who's not going to be back, but the expectation is is probably it's going to be all four. So what are your thoughts on this offense, and especially now that they're getting some of those guys back? They're very good on offense. I think this is why I think Georgia, uh, I think you've already said in the previous show that, uh, you know, should Georgia win this game, you know, load up on Georgia to win the playoff. I, I agree a, a million percent. Uh, I think, my, you know, my, my take on Georgia this year, and I've seen them a few times, is they're not as good defensively as they were, but they're much better offensively. Uh, and, and that's made up for, like I said, it's a step and a half back on defense, but it's two steps forward on offense. Uh, so I, I think Georgia's team is uh, tougher than ever to beat, uh, but uh, and it's because of this offense, um, the weapons. And, and I agree with you. I think a lot of these guys sat out Georgia Tech, but that's just to get healthy for Alabama. Uh, we'd be crazy to expect anything other than a completely healthy Brock Bowers a healthy lad McConkey and rah rah, and uh, where I think Georgia's better, Clint is. Well, I'm about to address the skill positions because those are all guys everyone knows. But the fact is, I think Georgia's offensive line is the best of their three year run of, of the of the Georgia team trying to three peat. This is their best offensive line, uh, spearheaded by Amarius Mims, and 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 I think the Amarius Mims versus Dallas Turner matchup is something that NFL scouts. And there'll be a thousand of them there Saturday. They're all going to see that matchup. That's that's just that's last year's 
Will Anderson versus Darnell Wright. And, and Darnell launched himself into the top 10. And, and, and much to Alabama's chagrin, <laughs> it didn't go great for Alabama. Darnell Wright became the first offensive lineman taken in the draft that day. Uh, this is a Marius Mims chance to make a run at being the first offensive lineman selected in the draft uh, because he's got the opportunity to shut down Dallas Turner, who, who is as good as anybody in the front seven in, in this country. Uh, but Alabama's pretty good on the other side with Braswell. And Alabama's pretty good on the defensive front. So I like Alabama matching up against Georgia, but I just want to warn Alabama fans that this is probably the best Georgia offensive line of the three-year period. So with a great offensive line, and that's what it is, I think it's Joe Moore award-worthy offensive line. Uh, the, the bigger problem is now, now you got skill players everywhere to defend. Carson Beck is a fantastic distributor. Uh, he's not a classic point guard. He's not like a Bryce Young. He's not like a ball gets in, ball gets out, you know, uh, chess pass, basketball on grass. To me, Carson Beck's a distributor in the NFL pocket quarterback sense. I think uh, as a player, to me, he's a similar to a, uh, you know, this is way over the top, but Tom Brady, I mean, I mean, in the sense he's going to sit in the pocket and deliver the football accurately into tight windows down the field. And, and, and he's more athletic than you think he is. Uh, I doubt he's going to have 60 yards rushing, but he will cause problems for you with his athleticism. He will extend plays. And, uh, hey, if you give him wide open grass, he's going to run for that first down marker and keep moving the ball. Uh, so he's dangerous. Kendall Milton has had a, a pretty good year at running back. I don't think Georgia's elite at running back, but they're good enough. They're good enough. Don't 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 ignore that, uh, or you'll really pay. Uh, but they got depth and and uh, at back, and and they're good. Uh, where they really have depth is is the Carson Beck weapons throwing the ball, uh, whether Brock or Delp at, at, at tight end, and, and a collection of receivers that's probably the best of their uh, of the the their era. The Marcus Rosemary, however I butcher his name every time, but he's a good player. <laughs> and Rara and Dominic Lovett, and of course Lad McConkey, who's pretty much undefendable. I, I think he's got that that knack of he just knows how to get open. Some wide receivers, you see him on Sundays, you see him on. They're all over the place Sundays. They know how to get open, and when you're not impressed with their athleticism, they'll surprise you. He he is he is a heck of an athlete. I know he doesn't look the part. But forget all that. He he's open, and and uh, to me, he's he's Hunter Renfro, and we had our issues with Hunter Renfro. Lad McConkey is every bit his equal, in my opinion, and, and is going to play pro football somehow, some way. He will. So it, it's it's a very very difficult to defend because you have to defend everything: the throw, the short throw, the deep throw, the run game. Oh, my gosh, the tight end. And we haven't spent enough time on that, but we are about to uh, because that's a matchup problem from from Hades right there. Um, it's a very difficult defense, uh, uh, offense to defend. And Alabama is good on defense, Clint. We're the best defense they faced. I believe that. But shutting them out, that's not an option. You're just slowing them down to the point that you can find enough points on offense to win the game. That's That's the challenge, slowing them down, not shutting them out. Yeah, um, I think that's the way to put it. 
and, and I'll continue to reiterate what happened. Historically good defense for Georgia in 2021. Uh, Alabama with healthy receivers, Bryce Young at quarterback, SEC championship, 41-24. You know, it, it, and I understand one of those was a pick six, but Alabama's offense was able to put up in the mid-30s, which is kind of where I could see Georgia getting to high 20s, low 30s, mid-30s, that, you know, anywhere from 28 to 35 points, I think is a pretty safe range for Georgia. It's possible that Alabama's defense has a great day. They have a great game plan. They hold them to, you know, 22 or 24 or, you know, 20, 20 points or something. Um, it, that is possible. It's also possible that Georgia has a really good game plan going in. They have their way with Alabama's defense a lot more than maybe we're anticipating, and they put up in the low 40s or mid 40s even. So there's uh, there's always ranges of possibility. And in this type of game, I mean, it, it's not fluky really either way for them to be held to 20 points or them to score 45 points. I wouldn't look and say, man, if they played 10 times, that wouldn't happen again, uh, or nine more times, that wouldn't happen again. It would be, you know, hey, it's the same range of possibilities to me. But if I had to pick a range that I feel most confident in, it would be in that 28 to 35. And that's a seven-point range. That's a big difference. But, you know, I think there's so much that could go one way or the other that I could see in the high 20s or I could see in the mid-30s, depending on how those things go. And and when you look at what's interesting is that, and I agree, you're going to see Dallas Turner versus Amarius Mims. Some. But, you know, I was really looking at this. And granted, I knew it to some degree, but I didn't know it was this lopsided. Out of the close to probably 500 true edge snaps that Dallas Turner's played this year, 80% of them have come on the right side going against the left tackle with the other 100 or 20% coming on the left side. Definitely plays in the left some, uh, but when it's, you know, a lot of times he's lined up on the right, and for Chris Braswell, it's the exact opposite. And if I'm Alabama, Ernest Green is a really good player. He's going to be one of the top tackles in college football before it's all said and done. He's already a very, very good offensive tackle. But when you look at these two guys, I feel like he's the bigger mismatch for a Dallas Turner. So, so with him already being at left tackle, the blonde side, Carson Beck's blonde side, I would I know every time that Dallas Turner does end up on the left, you're gonna every NFL scout's gonna be zoning in and you're gonna see every one of those snaps probably overanalyzed by a lot of NFL scouts. But I want people to understand going in, you're probably going to see a lot more on the other side, which is why you need to take all those snaps that he does get over there and you need to enjoy them because it's going to be a battle. And I think Ernest Green versus Dallas Turner is going to be a battle. I think Chris Braswell versus Amarius Mims is going to be a battle. And Alabama is going to get their fair share of wins, and Georgia certainly is too. And so it's just, a, you know, how do those reps shake out? Um, Georgia's offensive line is really good, and they're running the football better. But they're a team, from what I've seen, they kind of throw to set up the run. Have you noticed that? Which I find strange for a Georgia offense, but that's kind of just been my kind of feel watching them offensively. Yeah, I don't think they're an offense that's going to just uh, hand the ball to the back and just sit back and watch what happens. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't call them run first. I would call them uh, extreme balanced. <laughs> and by that, I mean they they can run it, they can throw it, and uh, if you overplay either one, they will kill you with the other. 
and 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 they're they're able to do that because of the offensive line. The offensive line is providing push in the run game, and they provide protection for Beck. And 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 then they have the skill players that have each individual talent. Again, this is this is a. It sort of reminds me of Alabama a little bit in, in the sense that Alabama at first rose to national prominence behind the defense, and then and then they became an offensive juggernaut down the road, and maybe suffered a little bit on defense, uh, you know, due to that. Uh, I think Georgia is sort of doing something similar here, where the the defense isn't what it was. It wasn't that that crazy 2011 Alabama defense or 2016 Alabama defense anymore. But it was still good, uh, but but where they they murder you is on offense, and and uh, the offense is just tough to defend because you have to defend it all, not like a spread offense, but you have to defend each thing. You you can't overcommit to to the run game or overcommit to okay, we'll just stay in dime and blanket the place with DBs uh, and not let uh, McConkey and Ra Ra and Dominic Levitt and Brock Bowers kill you, and you do all that, and then they'll 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 six yard you to death. Uh, in the run game. So, uh, but, but, but to address your original point, I I don't think, I don't think it's a game where Kendall Milton or, or just the Georgia running game as a whole is going to, is going to rush for over well over 200 yards. I I don't think it's that sort of attack. I think it's more complimentary to their pass game. And uh, if I had to pick yardage and it's sort of scary, but, uh, you know, I would say Georgia has a good chance of this game, even against Alabama's very, very good defense. I wouldn't be surprised if they ran for, uh, let's say, in the 150 range, uh, 130 to 150, and then uh, threw in uh, 300 yards, maybe as much as 320 throwing it. That's that's a ton of yardage. Uh, but if you play good in the red zone, which is what I want to stress for the, the remainder of the show, if you play well in the red zone – and turn those sevens into threes, uh, you give yourself a chance to win. Yeah, and I mean, think about one of the things about Georgia's offense. If I had to compare it to someone recently, and I don't even know if it's really that recent. It's not that recent. But like Carson Beck, you know, Trevor Lawrence ended up turning into a pretty big dual threat guy, and, and he ran for a lot of yards. As a freshman and especially in, in that national championship game against Alabama, he used his mobility to create some outside of the pocket, but he didn't, he didn't have a ton of rushing yards. I would say he was more so uh, – he wasn't a, a pocket statue either by any means. He's always had mobility. He's always used that, but he just wasn't this guy that was going to be a dynamic rushing threat back then. He wasn't really viewed that way. Carson Beck is not Trevor Lawrence. But from a passing perspective, if you want to think about kind of where he's at, think of like Trevor Lawrence in twenty in that twenty eighteen, which was technically in twenty nineteen national championship game, where it's like even though Trevor Lawrence was kind of stuck in the pocket, um, you know, and didn't do a whole lot as far as running the football, like I said, creating uh outside the pocket some too. But you know, I would say that would more so be Carson Beck. Carson Beck has got some mobility. I think he's a little bit more mobile than given credit for. But at the same time, he's not the rushing threat that has really given Alabama problems. And that's what makes this Georgia defense so interesting. Think about the offenses that have completely had their way with Alabama's defense in recent years. Uh, it was, I mean, I would, I would say even like Texas had a really good stretch in, in the fourth quarter uh, or in the second half. 
and things kind of got lopsided, but they didn't really have their way with Alabama's defense for a majority of that game. Quinn Ewers, in some ways, I would also, you know, from if you're wondering like passing ability compared to mobility, like Quinn Ewers is more mobile than he's given credit for, and he can make plays if you allow him to, but he's considered more of a pocket passer. I would also say Carson Beck is, they're not the same quarterback by any means. They have different strengths, but if you're wondering the mobility factor and how that plays into the passing game with the quarterback's legs, that's what I would compare it to. Um, but you know, te- I don't even know if I would necessarily count Texas. LSU completely had their way th- with Alabama's defense. They had Jaden Daniels, who was able to throw the football effectively and just be an absolute unit running the football. Uh, you look at Hendon Hooker last year in the Tennessee game, had the ability, maybe didn't have as many rushing yards as Jaden Daniels or even close to it against Alabama, but he was a s- serious rushing threat, and it was him being able to throw the football, them having a run game, and him being able to run the football. Uh, it was all three. You go back to like 2020, uh, Ole Miss completely had their way with Alabama's defense. Matt Corral was a dual-threat quarterback. I don't think he had a ton of rushing yards in that game, but it was the threat of they had a very good one-two punch with Snoop Connor and Jerry Ely in that particular matchup. They had weapons in the passing game. Matt Corral threw for a ton of yardage, but he also was able to create a lot with his legs. So it's like a three-headed monster that you've got to deal with. Georgia doesn't bring that rushing element with its quarterback, and so it's more manageable. It's still a lot because what he does in the passing game is much better than some of those quarterbacks that I mentioned before. You've got an unstoppable force, it feels like, with Brock Bowers in a lot of ways. You've got a really good run game, but all the teams that, even though Alabama did do a pretty good job of stopping the traditional rushing attack for LSU, the quarterback more so compensated than any of these other quarterbacks we're talking about, rushing for 155 yards. So when Alabama's really had trouble stopping an offense, and it's like every time that that offense touches the football, you're worried about them scoring points, they've had that three-headed monster in a lot of those kind of games. And so I'll be curious, you know, what are your thoughts on Carson Beck as a passer? And what are your thoughts on Carson Beck as a, a runner? Because just to me, I'm, maybe he can catch Alabama off guard uh, a little bit in some situations. I'm sure they've looked at some of these quarterback draws and 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 second and longs, third and longs. Maybe they try to implement some of that stuff to catch Alabama off guard. But I think that that is kind of a difference between Georgia's offense and the fact that it's very dynamic, but compared to some of these others that have really truly had their way with Alabama's defense. You know, Carson Beck is traditionally the type quarterback Alabama's had a lot of success defending. I think we would have. I think if we sat here, uh, which would be a fun show in the uh, off season, uh, and we did okay, l- let's do a walk down uh, misery lane and uh, talk about all the quarterbacks that have have really hurt us. We would be talking about a lot of dual threat guys. It, it, it would start with the Jaden Daniels and the Cam Newtons and the Johnny Manziel's, uh, Deshaun Watson, that, Deshaun Watson, great example guys that have really and like you said, Trevor Lawrence, you know, in, in his freshman year. Um, you know, is, you know, uh, so he, 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 he's very athletic or certainly was as a younger player. Uh, but there hasn't been too many examples of great drop back passers that have hurt Alabama. I think CJ Stroud's a good example of somebody that we, you know, uh, you know, his type of quarterback hasn't really hurt Alabama, you know, not, not really, uh, uh, I, and if Carson Beck has a big game from the pocket against Alabama and beats Alabama, 
I think he's on sort of a short list of, of quarterbacks who have done Kyle that. Trask is, is one. That's, and, that's yeah, a pretty Kyle, good one. Yeah, but in, in, Kyle, in that SEC championship, I was trying to rack my brain to figure out some. Uh, Kyle yeah, Trask. Yeah, that's right. Kyle Trask won the game. Had a dynamic tight end. A great point, and 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 they won the game. But if 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 Georgia scores forty points, Alabama's going to lose. <laughs> you know, this week, uh, there's no question that's true. So, to me, I, I like that you used uh, Quinn Ewers. I think Quinn Ewers is a fantastic cop. They're not identical by any means, but they are similar uh, in, in terms of I think how the NFL is going to view those guys. And basically, I think because of his experience, Quinn Ewers is just one year ahead of Beck. I, I mean, I think if they both come out right now, yours would go higher. Just yours is one year ahead of Beck. Beck next year is no question at least what yours is this year. Uh, and that just comes from experience. Yours started all of last year. Carson Beck, this is his first year on the field, just like we talk about Milrow. It's not lack of experience is not unique to Jalen Milrow. That's just the sport. It's college it's college football. These kids, it's a developmental sport. It's not the NFL. They they don't arrive as polished, ready guys at this level. They're learning to play and getting better. Uh, and Carson Beck's better now than he was in September. If you remember, uh, Clint, back in September, we're like not sure Carson Beck is a dude. We're like, eh, eh how's Carson Beck? Maybe. Well, now you go through October, November, and you're like, uh, he's good. <laughs> he's good. Took him a Took him a while, just like it took Jalen a while. Uh, and again, Carson, one year older. So I, I, I think style-wise, it's yours. I think weapons-wise, they're close, if not better than Texas and some. I don't think they have a worthy. I mean, to me, I don't think outside they have a Xavier worthy, but they're good. They have a bunch of Worthingtons, a whole bunch of them. <laughs> you know, Ron, Jatavian Sanders. Jatavian Sanders to Brock Bowers to me is pretty similar. How's that for luck? Alabama probably playing the two most dynamic tight ends in the country in one schedule. Uh, but yeah, I think the the playing Jatavian Sanders has sort of helped in the Brock Bowers, uh, uh, you know, preparation. On the other hand, Sanders had a really big game against Alabama back in September. He made some key plays. Bowers will. I mean, he's a problem, and, and everyone, every fan has a solution. Every fan that has a solution, you're wrong. There's not a solution. There's just limiting him, especially in a game like this where you know that's the game plan. They're going to be heavier Brock Bowers than they are most weeks because they know that other more mundane pedestrian things won't work against Alabama's defense. But Brock Bowers will. So, you know, you can defend him with Caleb Downs, which is what, what I think is Alabama's best matchup with Brock is Caleb Downs. But guess what? He's going to – he is going to out-athlete even to Caleb Downs at times. Uh, if you try to guard him with Terion Arnold or some corner-type player, he's just going to out-physical him at that point. I mean, it's like basketball. We're coming off that basketball loss last night. Uh, if – if if hey, if if, if – if Taron Arnold's defending him, he's going to go down in the post and he's going to post him up and he's going to score underneath the basket. And if Caleb Downs defends him, then Caleb's going to have to defend him on the perimeter because he's going to go outside and he's going to train threes. <laughs> that That is what Brock Bowers is like. Uh, you put a big guy on him, he'll take him out of the perimeter, put a little guy on him, he'll score under the basket. 
That's Brock. Uh, and on top of all of it, he's smart. He'll find you zone. Okay, we're going to play zone. So we'll always have two or three guys just kind of boxing him in. He'll find the open grass. He'll, he'll be the zone buster. <laughs> and if you uh, like, well, okay, we're just going to run the ball behind him. One, one of the things I remember all season long uh, on Twitter is I remember Daniel Jeremiah back in September, uh, whose opinion I really hold in high regard, DJ from NFL Network, who's great pro uh, uh, talent scout. Uh, when he watched Brock Bowers film back in September, the first thing he said was, this guy blocks a whole lot better than I thought he did. <laughs> he can really block. Uh, so so you got to deal with that in the run game. That's another thing about you know how you're going to defend Brock as a pass rush as a pass as a route runner. Well, now you've got to you're going to put a, a DB or a safety on him up tight. He's going to crush them in the run game. You know, uh, it's going to be. I'm so glad this will be the last time you have to play this guy. But it's going to hurt on the way out. If you think Alabama's shutting down Brock Bowers, forget it. He He's going to hurt Alabama. Just the question is how much, and you hope it's the 80 to 90-yard game and not the 140-yard game. Yeah, when, when you look at Georgia and Brock Bowers, it's like it, we've talked about it. it. It's it's slowing him down. It's not really stopping him. Like it's It's limiting his impact on the game. It's kind of the way that a lot of – offenses approach Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell like are you gonna did Auburn stop them for four quarters did they keep them from having an impact they each had a sack they combined for 16 pressures and you know uh Chris Braswell forced a fumble there at the end of the game as well so it's not like they stopped them from having an impact they both had a major impact but they did everything in their power to limit that impact I mean they they ran the football super effectively they kept the entire playbook open they ran quarterback draws in third and longs or second and longs or whatever. Uh, they did things to try to keep them from being the guys that beat them. And that's kind of your approach to, to Brock Bowers. Doesn't mean that Brock Bowers isn't going to get his. Doesn't mean that Georgia's offense you know, will be stopped necessarily if you stop Brock Bowers. But uh, I think it goes a long way. Um, and it's going to be a committee approach. I don't think it's going to be any one guy in particular. If they choose to continue to to play Caleb Downs more at the star position, I think he's going to play a major part in that. But you're going to see Deontay Lawson. You're going to see Malachi Moore on him. You're going to see probably Jalen Key. So it's it's and, and if Bowers lines up on the perimeter, you're going to see Kool-Aid or you're going to see Tyrion Arnold probably out there on him. So, you know, they're going to do some different things. They they do a good job of creating mismatches for him. Uh, I think Carson Beck is a better quarterback than Quinn Ewers. I think from an NFL perspective, I can see where NFL teams would still view Quinn Ewers as the better prospect. But I think, especially in college football right now, Carson Beck is a much more consistent player than what Quinn Ewers has been throughout his career. Here's a big difference, though. Um, you have the Jatavian Sanders and and a better version, a more dominant version, in Brock Bowers. You've got some really good, you know, Lad McConkey. He's probably, and a lot of people think, I guess it's because he's white. I don't know. But for whatever reason, they think he's like a dominant slot receiver. He spends a little bit under a third of his snaps in the slot. He plays a ton outside and he can beat you vertically. He's not this under, he's very, he's really good at getting open, but he can win vertically as well. Dominic Lovett has really been their primary slot guy. And then Brock Bowers is obviously going to get split out quite a bit. He's going to play a lot in line, too. He's not just a guy who 
is a big slot like a Kyle Pitts was at Florida. Um, but uh, love it. The Missouri transfer has kind of been their primary slot option. McConkie's a, a big-time outside receiver, can create uh, separation, get open, catches the football. You know, Ra-Ra Thomas, he's more of a vertical threat who's more of a, you know, he, he adds an element to that offense, but he's not a focal point. Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint, he's more of a big-bodied X style of perimeter receiver. Dylan Bell is is kind of their Kendrick Law. Like, they're going to move him all over the place. You're going to see him lining up in the backfield. And then you've got Brock Bowers. You've got Oscar Delp, who I thought did some pretty good things when Bowers was out. You, you're starting to get more of that. You, you feel If you're Georgia, you feel better about that 12 personnel using two tight ends now two bigger body guys with Delp and Powers. But the the key difference between like Texas offensively and Georgia is that Texas had Steve Sarkeesian. And I'm not saying Mike Bobo hadn't done a phenomenal job with this Georgia offense, but he's not innovative and he's not going to have this game plan that I don't think so. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But, uh, you know, there was so much that Steve Sarkeesian did to negate the impact that Alabama's edge rushers had on that game. Uh, got the football to Quinn Ewer's hands quick. He did a great job of use, utilizing screens and you know the quick passing game. And, and that's something that Georgia likes to do. They like the quick game. They like the screens. You're going to see some of that offensively, but I don't think it's as much of a strain on you defensively with the eye candy and the motion and all that stuff that maybe Steve Sarkeesian's offense was, which is why I think there's a little bit of a difference. but. Um, this is as close as Alabama's seen to Texas's offense in that particular game where it played like one of the best offenses in college football. Hadn't necessarily done that uh, to that degree since, but this is a very good Georgia offense, and it's got, like I said, so many different ways that they can attack you. And even though you know some of these guys maybe not might not be top tier playmakers, it's not like they got four first round players, you know, pass catchers in their offense. But they got guys, a lot of different guys who can win, play winning football and help you uh, make some big plays. And I like how you brought up Sark and did the Sark to Bobo comparison. I, I agree that Sark is is just a more, more gifted uh, offensive mind than than Bobo, who's done a great job with this offense. And Bobo's, I'm sure, under underrated or undervalued uh, in the sense that he's so solid. But he's not uh, maybe spectacular like Sark is, and Alabama fans know that from their experience with Sark uh, here in Tuscaloosa. Um, but uh, Sark is is you know, and and now so we've also compared Ewers to Bobo and Xavier Worthy and Worthington and Sanders to Bowers. Here, here, here's what I don't know about giving me some hope as an Alabama fan, but Alabama has seen Texas and they lost, but they've seen Texas. I don't know that Georgia's offense has seen in Alabama, but I, I would say that one of the challenges to the Alabama defense in this game is, is this. You lost to Texas in September. You did that. <laughs> You're getting Texas again. This is your this is your makeup for Texas game. This is the let's see how far you've come defensively. Everyone all year, Clint, has talked about how far the offense has come. Now the challenge is, okay, defensively show us 
how far you've come from Texas because you're playing Texas all over again. You've got the Ewers quarterback. You've got the weapons at wide receiver. You've got the dynamic tight end. You've got a big physical offensive line. You've got the Texas challenge again. And Alabama's defense held up to that Texas challenge for three quarters. For three quarters, they held Texas to 13 points into the fourth quarter. That should have given the offense, you know, a chance to win the game. The offense just wasn't ready to win a game like that back in September like they are now. But if the defense gives that four-quarter effort against Georgia like they did for three quarters against Texas, maybe they, they get it done because, again, Alabama has seen offenses with weapons. They've seen good offensive lines. They've seen dynamic playmakers. And uh, they've lived to tell about it every time but once. Uh, but this is sort of their makeup game for what went wrong against Texas. I would bring that up a lot if I was Alabama's coaches this week about how, you know, the fourth quarter – the, the defense sort of failed uh, against Texas, and, and this is sort of their, their do-over game. I see a lot of similarities uh, in that Texas team and this Georgia team, and this is why elite talent, uh, well-coached, physical, dudes everywhere. Uh, in that sense, it's similar to, to Texas, and that's why we're here in college playoff season and uh, who are two teams prominent in the discussion, Georgia and Texas. I find them similar. Uh and look, all the Saban tree, right? Sark, Saban tree, Kirby off the Saban tree. They've built it the same way in all three places. So to me, I like every Texas analogy here because it's similar. Uh, in some ways, it's better. It's more seasoned, but it is similar in terms of who the weapons are, where they line up, and how good both Georgia and Texas are at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and you know, I understand that that it was the same secondary. Uh, Deontay Lawson had not gotten hurt yet, and Texas was able to have quite a bit of success. But I think there's been some growth. I think the communication's better now. Granted, you didn't see. I think Alabama was so focused on limiting Auburn's rushing attack and the way that they were attacking them and the strain it was putting on them defensively from that front it kind of took away from the coverage a little bit. Um, I, I, I really, truly believe that. But there was, all, there was some breakdowns in coverage. There was some miscommunication issues. You've got two guys covering one guy and one guy streaking wide open. Uh, you know, So it's not like the secondary is a, a completely fixed unit. Um, but I think that they're a better unit than they were in week two. And when you look at the individual matchups, like we talk about all these weapons that Georgia has, but when you start looking at Alabama defensively, you've got a first-round corner, potentially in Kool-Aid McKinstry, a first-round corner in Tyrion Arnold. you got one of the best young safeties in college football who's going to be a future first-round pick in Caleb Downs. You've got Malachi Moore, who is a seasoned veteran, playing really good football. Like You talk about you've got the star power, uh, you know, the first-round picks that are mixed in there. That's like the Brock Bowers and – you know, things like that. But then when you start getting into the Dominic Lovitz, the the Rosemead Jack Saints, the the Thomases, that's more of like their versions, the offensive versions of the Malachi Moors, where it's it's really good players, they're effective. So I think from a just and, and Deontay Lawson, what I worry about for Alabama is Lawson and Key not being healthy. If they were healthy, I'd feel really good about it. it doesn't matter how much Georgia has, Alabama's got guys kind of match up all over the place. Doesn't mean that they're going to shut down Georgia like we've said. This isn't about shutting them down. This is about limiting. They would have enough to where they could limit. Um, but with them 
not being 100% healthy, that's a match. You know, key can be a matchup that you can take advantage of. Auburn certainly did. Uh, you know, uh, Deontay Lawson in coverage can be a matchup that you can take advantage of. These are the kind of things that I worry about, Jimmy. But if they can hold up and they can, they're a week further removed from the injuries, maybe they're a little bit more healthy. Uh, maybe they could hold up enough to where they can limit this Georgia passing attack. It's got to be better than last week health-wise. I mean, I think we both noticed, and I think a lot of Alabama fans noticed, it's just not the same loss, and it wasn't the same Jalen Key uh, either. And uh, hopefully those guys are one week healthier. They get treatment during the week from the the PT staff and uh, and Jeff Allen's team, and 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 they should be one week healthier uh, defensive line's got to play better. I bought up a stat yesterday that showed Alabama's defensive line had a season low three assists uh, in terms of tackles in this game. Uh, Auburn did a good job scheme wise, schematically, of making Alabama's defensive line less impactful as far as run defenders. Uh, you need a better uh, effort out of Freddie Roach's group this week. And uh, they've been good all year long. And I think they will be better. And I think Georgia's going to play more straight up and give them more opportunities to play better but uh, I like this Alabama defense a lot I think they're good at crunch time I think they're really good when it matters hey look overall the numbers are not great uh to, to be honest I mean for all the Alabama fans that are like hey last year's defense stinks we're so much better hey the points in the yards don't agree with you the, the points in the yards say uh Alabama's no different than they were a year ago but we've all seen this defense playing out uh, 12 times. They are better. Uh, I insist they're better. Uh, and I think it's because they're better when it matters. Uh, it matters a lot Saturday. It matters for 60 minutes. Uh, hopefully Lawson's a little healthier. It's not the same Deontay we saw in September. And and, and it is the ankle. It's, it's, it's just adding up the season of wear and tear on an ankle that I don't think has ever really healed. But now he, he's hopefully one week better. Jalen Key one week better. Uh, defensive line needs to play better. You know what you're getting out of Turner and Braz and uh, and Tarion and Kool-Aid and Caleb and uh, and Justin Aboigby, who's had a fantastic senior season. Uh, I like the Alabama team playing good enough and making the stops in the red zone. It's my, my, uh, my, 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 my key of the week is red zone defense. And when the field is compacted and it's harder, make it harder for Georgia to use the weapons on the smaller field, condense the run game, condense the pass game, and turn Georgia touchdowns into Georgia field goals, and uh, and Alabama can pull this out. Yeah, that, and I, I find it strange how there are some people that are really not giving Alabama a chance. Like, this is such a lopsided matchup on paper. It's really not. I mean, it, it, is it? does it favor Georgia? Absolutely. I'm not going to deny that. You're not going to deny that. There's a reason that Georgia's the favorite, and it's not just because they're the higher-ranked team. If both teams play their best game, I'm speaking candidly, Georgia's probably going to win. But I think that Alabama can do some things to prevent Georgia from playing their best game. And Georgia's going to try to do the same. It's not like this is a one-sided thing. But um, the one thing that is so hard, it doesn't matter how much you game plan for it, how much you try to replicate it in practice, the one factor that cannot be replicated is a dual threat quarterback who has a good feel for running the football. Alabama tried like hell with, with Jaden Daniels, 150 plus yards running all over the place, doing what he wanted to. 
it's always on the you know improvised scrambles and stuff that are the most hard to figure out i mean album had spies in that game did it matter no uh it, you know it's it's so hard to limit that and now granted if you're if that's the only way that you can generate offense then you can do some things to limit that but alabama having a player at the quarterback position that can threaten you vertically and they've got receivers who have, have proven that they can take advantage of that and you know and all these things and the way that alabama can play defense the fact that georgia's offense doesn't bring that dual threat quarterback to that degree that's I mean, you can replicate a lot of what they do extremely well in practice, and it's just it's easier. Doesn't mean that they're that Georgia's not going to have success offensively, or they're not going to. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be that, but my point is, is that is a that is a factor to, in my opinion that automatically makes this game a lot more even. Is that is a huge advantage in my opinion for Alabama? It's one of the only true advantages, meaning. It's clearly in Alabama's favor. There's a, there's some things that maybe lean a little Georgia. There's some things that maybe lean a little Alabama. Uh, there's you know some things that I would say Georgia just overall has a much better feel for who they are. They've been more consistent. You know what you're going to get from them on a week-in, week-out basis. With Alabama, a lot more inconsistent. And so there's scenarios where they show up, and it's just it's a particular team that just is not as good as it could be. And it could be a very sizable victory for Georgia in that scenario. But I don't see how anybody can say Alabama's going to get skull drug on Saturday. That just hadn't made a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, but it is what it is. Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. This has been a fun conversation. Do you have anything else before we hop out of here? Because, no, just, you know, interesting no, matchup. It really is. I just want to say how proud I am of this group and this team. Um, you know, let's go back to Sunday after South Florida. Uh, in the waning moments after Texas, uh, try to find the Alabama fan that was like, uh, oh, we're going to be playing Georgia 11-1 uh, and one in a national quarterfinal, which I think we should consider this. We, we talked in the last show about Alabama's playoff situation, but regard, we, we shouldn't look at that. We should look at this uh, for what it should be, which is a national quarterfinal. Uh, winner moves on to the semis, loser goes home. But the fact that Alabama played itself and got a reward, this is the reward for a fantastic regular season is the opportunity you gate, you played yourself into an opportunity to play for the national championship. And uh, it's just awesome that this team uh, and these guys and these coaches have uh, gotten the team to this point. Wasn't easy. Uh, the SEC is really tough. Uh, and, and that doesn't change. I know some, oh, the SEC's down. The SEC's never down. And I'll tell you why, because, there's a budget that every team's got that they spend on football and the budget doesn't change. Every team in this league spent multiple, multiple millions of dollars in an effort to put the best team on the field as possible. And Alabama beat everyone, but Texas, uh, a great season. The reward is Saturday and the reward is an opportunity to play for the national championship. And I'm really proud that the team, uh, has, has played their way into this huge game. Uh, that that they can win. It is winnable. Like like Clint said, this is winnable. All it's going to take is the best sixty minutes of football they played all year, and and that's always possible, man. And it's going to be fun. You know, the one thing we've come a long way from the people who are predicting two, three, some even four regular season losses. Right? I mean, eleven to one. 
that was that that's Alabama. I mean, how many times have you seen them drop two regular season games? It doesn't happen often. So, you know, that's I was I was uh, I could see 10 and 2. That was something that I was willing to admit, but I thought, you know, I can also see a 12 and 0. That's why you go with the sweet spot at 11 and 1. Now they're back in the SEC championship, one loss, and they have a chance. A chance. It's not a guarantee. Uh, some things got to happen. Alabama's got to play well on Saturday. Alabama's got to win first and foremost, but they've got a chance to make it back to the college football playoff. And considering where a lot of people thought Alabama's program was at, I say that's pretty impressive whether they make it or not. Uh, if you haven't already, like this video, go subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Bama Online YouTube channel. We're doing a ton of content. Your contributions help us. Uh, it, it's, you know, the the views, sharing it if you have a platform to share it to getting the word out about us. We're building an audience, and we're not going to stop until this is the biggest, baddest Alabama YouTube channel out there, I can assure you. A um, ton of content from a lot of a lot of different people. But not only that, we had the Silly Season sale going on over at Bama Online. Really, the entire On3 network had it, and it was you know $1 for one month or a 50% off of an annual subscription. You know, we kind of, our thought process, that sale ended last you know late last night early today one of the two our thought process is hold up now alabama's playing and in, in arguably it's big it's not arguable what's the biggest game of the season one of the biggest games arguably the big one of the biggest games of the nick saban era and we're going to end the sale on you know tuesday night or wednesday morning let's carry this thing on out through the sec championship so we were able to talk the higher ups into giving us an SEC championship special. So that's going to continue. It's not for all the on three sites. Bam online, you know, obviously Dogs HQ's got that deal going on too, but $1 for one month or 50% off an annual subscription, you're not going to beat the content that you're going to get over there either. You know, we're trying to make this a mirror reflection. The, the, the video content, the best that's available, the written content, the message board community, all of these things, we're not going to stop until it's the absolute best that's out there. In my opinion, it already is the best out there. But as far as the numbers reflecting that on the YouTube channel, uh, it, it, I mean, you, you really can't beat it. So definitely go sign up. Um, take advantage of the of the deal. Get on over to the uh, roundtable message board. Join in on the conversation. We're talking about a ton of stuff throughout the day. Read all the premium content. Charlie does a fantastic job. You know, the beat writing stuff. Uh, you handle message board, Travis doing all of his breakdowns, video breakdowns, and some written stuff, Tim on the message board, all the recruiting guys. You got national signing day coming up. You got the transfer portal. It's just, guys, it's not a better time to join up than right now. So if you haven't already, definitely go do that. And uh, Jimmy, once again, I appreciate you. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a long conversation, but it's been a good conversation. And hopefully we're getting together next week to talk about how Alabama won. And you know, what happened with the college football playoff ranking. So once again, brother, I appreciate you. And we'll do this again soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.